0: Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hey,
1: everyone. Welcome to episode 230 of the Independent Advisors Podcast we Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. Uh, this week, Nick Whitaker, our Director of Research and Trading, back filling in for Matt. So, Nick, thank you for joining us again this morning.
2: Always great to be here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we got a lot of, uh, a lot of info to cover, uh, this week for listeners. So we'll just go ahead and hop right into it with there only being, uh, about 16 trade or 16 full days left, calendar days left in, in 2023. Um, as always, we're going to quickly review the month-to-date and year-to-date performance of the major market indices that we track, and this data is from Charts. and as of the market close on December 13th. S&P 500 Index is up 3% for the month and up 22% for the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 3.2% for the month and up almost 12% for the year. The NASDAQ Composite Index up 3.5% for the month and up 40% for the year. The Russell 2000 Small Cap Index up 7.5% for the month and almost 11% for the year. And the Vanguard All World X United States ETF uh, up a little more than 2% for the month of December and up 10.7% for the year. Three-month treasury rate sitting at 5.44%, the two-year treasury rate at 4.46%, and the 10-year treasury rates at 4.04%. Moving on to big headlines, uh, current events from this week, Nick, kind of a lot going on in terms of, uh, you know, inflationary data, um, the Fed um you know announcing their interest rate decisions so uh just yesterday uh, the Fed decided unanimously to leave the target range for the benchmark federal funds rate uh which is the rate that uh, other institutions use to set interest rates in this country um between a range of five and a quarter percent and five and a half percent which remains the highest uh you know uh, target range since 2001. And the Fed uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said that uh, they discussed the prospect of uh, easing policy, uh, for example, lowering interest rates for next year. And it was shown that eight Federal Reserve officials saw fewer than three quarter-point rate cuts next year, while five Fed officials anticipate uh, more than three rate cuts next year. So, um, you know, going to be interesting. Like I always say does no good to try to predict what the Fed is going to do, because most of the time people are wrong. So um, yeah, it'll it'll
2: change between now and then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, at least for right now, um, looks like inflation is under control. And uh, for the time being, doesn't look like interest rates are going to move any higher for now. Um bigger news that I think got uh, listeners uh probably going to be more interested in than the boring old fed is that the Dow yesterday uh Dow Jones Industrial Average that is hit an all-time high for the first time since January of 2022 uh which is 707 calendar days ago so uh this was one of the longest periods in history actually uh that you know, the Dow went without making an all time high. It's like the top 12 or 13 uh, longest periods without the market making a new high. Uh, and that happened yesterday, obviously, after the Fed uh, had a more dovish or easy rate policy speak uh, yesterday, um, obviously, after their rate hike deci- or their rate decision. Um, so market uh, closed very strong yesterday. And I thought it was interesting, Nick. You know, I run certain scans every single day and a couple every single week after the market closes and before the market opens and yesterday 271 stocks in the S&P 1500 Made new three-month highs, but those are only stocks that meet our firm's proprietary filters to be able to invest for clients. Because I don't even want to look at stuff that we can't trade because there's no volume or it's too small of a company. So that really, the S&P 1500 is, you know, roughly 1500 names, but you know, with our filters, that probably almost gets it to cut in half, maybe seven to nine hundred. So we have 271, let's just call it out of 800, uh, stocks making new three-month highs, and then also 231 stocks making uh, new one-year highs. And these are numbers that we have not seen, I can tell you, because I run these every day and every week uh, in a very, very long time. So it is good, again, to see market breadth uh, get better and get healthier, meaning there are more than just a handful of stocks participating in this upward move. So um, this week uh, has been pretty pretty positive action so far, especially heading into the end of the year.
2: I'm going to steal one of Matt's Favorite
1: lines and say
2: that's not bearish.
1: Correct. Very, <laughs> very true. So, um, yeah. So it's been a good week. Uh, hopefully, we can carry this uh, over into the end of the year. Um, but uh, unless you have anything else, Nick, we'll go ahead and and move on to tweets, articles, and research for the week.
2: Oh yeah, let's let's jump into it.
1: The first thing I had was a um, just a snippet from a blog post from our friend Ryan Dietrich on December 7th. Um, and he kind of discusses uh, some things that have bulls smiling. That's, you know, the when, when we're in good times, that's kind of his 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 stick is, you know, here's a here's a bunch of reasons why bulls are going to continue to smile. People that are positive on the stock market. Mm-hmm. Right. So he said the S&P 500 added an incredible 8.9% last month, which was November, which was the 18th best month ever in the S&P history since 1950. Here are the previous top 20 months ever and what happened next. The good news is uh, higher a year later, 80% of the time. And up another 13.3% on average could have a lot of bulls smiling in 12 months. So Jenna will throw this up on the YouTube page, this chart, and in our show notes. But what it shows is, you know, the the best 20 month gains for the S&P 500, and what happened over the next one month, three months, six months, and 12 months. And obviously, the further you go out, the the stronger and stronger the the returns get. So this is a situation, in my opinion, Nick of you know, strength begets strength. And just because, you know, the market is having a great year this year, that doesn't mean it can't have another great year next year. It's not a situation where, you know, we have one good year and one bad year and we go to one good year and one bad year. That, it's not how it works, right? Um, mm-hmm. So strength actually, in my opinion, is, is a better thing than seeing a, you know, for future performance than, you know, having a year where markets are, are down slightly. Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the data. It's it's interesting seeing a uh, a number of months from the past three years that are on the, that made this chart. When you mm-hmm. think of the context of history, that's shows how you know, much volatility's been been rampant in the market over the past couple of years. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. See, the so,
2: 2000s are in there quite a bit. And then the 80s as well, that, that checks out. The 70s were high, where inflation was high. That checks out to me right. as well. So that's that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, uh, just because it's it's been a good year so far, uh, that does not mean that uh, 2024 is going to be a, a negative year. It could, but doesn't doesn't yeah. mean that. Um, second thing I had, Nick, was a blog post from Ben Carlson also on December 7th titled What Happens After a 20% Up Year in the Stock Market? Kind of relating to what we just talked about. Uh, but he said a reader uh, uh, sent them an email and said, Sure, it's great the SP 500 is up 20% this year. But aren't we just pricing in the inevitable Fed rate cuts in 2024? Question mark Should we really expect the market to go up again next year after surprising to the upside this year? Color me skepti- skeptical. Full disclosure, I'm naturally bearish, which I think most people are naturally bearish, which yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. But anyways. Uh, And he posts a chart that Jenna will throw up now for listeners and viewers, but um, he says here are all the 20% up years along with the following year returns. So similar to the chart that we just talked about and we just saw, um, but it just outlines every year the S&P 500 has been up 20% and then what the next year has done. So quick summary stats for people who aren't looking uh, or watching this on YouTube. Uh, The stock market was up 65% of the time following a 20% gain. The stock market was down 35% of the time following a 20% gain. The average return following a 20% up year was 8.9% the following year. There were 19 double digit up years and there were two double digit down years, and that was in 1936 and 2022. Um, So, again, Another piece of information that's uh, you know, the the strength begets strength argument. And a lot
2: of a lot of those down years, they they I mean, I get it, it's a down year. You always want the market to go up, but they're not vicious down years. It's more kind of trading sideways when you look at it on Mm -hmm. just a number basis. I see two one percent, four
1: point seven, yeah,
2: four, three, even like the the seven, eight, 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 there's another one in there nine. That's not in the grand scheme of things. That's not, that shouldn't scare listeners. Right. Um, uh, you know, you're in this for the long game. If you made 20% last year and you lose nine percent the next year, you're still up net 10%. Right. And I'm looking at like 1933,
1: like the market was up 50% and the following year was down a little more than 1%. So it's like, ah, we'll,
2: we'll take that. Right. We'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's like investing is the long game. Um, You know, you always have a strategy and there are times where you need to get more conservative for your personal financial plan, but in the big, the the grand scheme of things, these numbers are even more encouraging. I would say that that's 65% of the time I would put an asterisk there because when, when the market a year later is, is basically trading flat or, and you're going to have volatility in all of these years, of course, but like when you end flat or, or mid single digit loss, after a killer year, that's, I think that's normal. That's healthy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would agree. Um, last thing I had, Nick, was a quote from Art Passion, who is a managing director at UBS. Uh, he says, quote, never bet on the end of the world. It never ends. And if it does, who will you settle the trade with? End quote. <laughs> and uh, I, I love this, Nick, because a lot of times we get every every year we get this right we get questions from clients saying hey you know for example the government can't sustain the debt the debt is getting out of control eventually the economy is going to collapse the system's going to come down on itself or you know the US dollar is no longer going to be the world reserve currency and yeah it's very you know possible that eventually those things happen but their question is how do I protect my portfolio against that. And my question or my answer is, you know, if that if those things happened, we'd have a lot bigger problems on our hands. Uh, we would have anarchy. Right. Yeah. And I think the yeah. la- one of the last things people would be concerned about is their their investment portfolio. Um, yeah. So if you think that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what what happens because money is, is is going to be obsolete at that point. Um, so, in my opinion, it it doesn't really do much good to pre, you know to prepare for that type of stuff um, because if if you know the the market ceases to exist, then you know it's, yeah. it's just complete anarchy. So, I never like really you know, getting into that, obviously we have, uh, certain things in place for client portfolios of, you know, when we get more conservative, when we add risk, when we cut risk, that type of stuff, but, um, the world's going to end then, you know, none of this matters what we're talking about.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So that's, it's an excellent point. It's very well said. It's, it's kind of some of those conversations and, and, some of the media out there, they really try to stoke fear and anxiety and panic, and and I get it. They're, they have a job. They're selling clicks, essentially, right? Yeah. And ads, which they need clicks for ads.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but some of the stuff that's out there, you know, all of those things happening at the same time and the system, quote unquote, collapsing, it just seems incredibly far-fetched it, it, like you're saying, and, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw another scenario out there. It's like alien invasion. If an alien invasion happens, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're going to, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I mean, and, and it's the if, same
1: thing. It's like, if, if you take all your money out of the stock market and you have it all in cash at your house, for example, it's the same conversation because if the system collapses, then like, Money is not going to be able to buy you anything anymore, right? Yeah. It's like the it's aliens so come to... down and you know
2: <laughs> are zapping us all. Yeah, their portfolio doesn't. Yeah, it's not going. Doesn't matter. Do yeah, do a lot. So there is there's definitely something to be said about you know planning for the worst case scenario. When right. We talk about worst case. and We're not. We're yeah. It's like you said. We can't plan for those types of dooms doomsdays. Uh, it's just not feasible and. All right. And it's also not, like, fiscally responsible, which is a big part Correct. of our job, of course, yeah. where we can't. I can't say, oh, there's a 10% chance that the entire system, you yeah, know, that's not, we can't, there's no data for that. No,
1: no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's all I had eventually. uh, And at another time, would love to get your, your two cents on, on the alien conversation, because that's oh, always yeah. an interesting one. But we'll save oh, that yeah, for yeah. another day. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, I have a, a couple charts here. Um, so all of my items this week, uh, which is a little different, are gonna come from one piece of research from YCharts, which is our research software, one of one of the, the many research softwares we use. Uh, and they sent around a, a, a brief, um, the beginning, I guess it was a week, week or two ago, um, with the top 23 charts of 2023. So charts, about the market and the economy that kind of summarized the year. and I went through and, and was reading it and I thought some of it was a pretty good uh, good recap for listeners and you know we're getting to the end of the year. So I picked out um, four market charts that I thought summarized summarized the market pretty well um, and just things to remind listeners. Um, there are two charts in here. So we'll run through these four charts, uh, see, what, see what you think, and, and kind of remind listeners about what happened this year. And um, and that's, that's what I have this week. So the first chart, which General will throw up here, is uh, the SPY, which is just an ETF that tracks the S&P 500. It's the percent off of the high. And the main reason that I wanted to throw this up for listeners, is is what you were talking about with the Dow Jones, where the Dow Jones made a new high last week, and it's like that's amazing because it's been a while, and I think I think that's kind of has flown under the radar for the average average uh, listener. Um, you know, it's been a tough couple of years, and we're still making our way back, and the market will make new highs, but it throughout history. It has continued to do so. So um, it's a good chart just to remind listeners of kind of what what we've all been uh, trudging through over the past two years of volatility. So what are your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, um, I think it goes to show you that, you know, looking back at this year, again, like it always does, right? And at the end of October, things felt a lot worse than they actually were. At the end of mm-hmm. October, the market was only like 14 or 15% off of its all-time high, right? Yeah. Which yeah. if we take a step back and and view it through the lens of that, you know, it's like, God, what what were people freaking yeah. out about? You know, right? Um, so I, I think this is a good chart because it really goes to show that um, you know, This whole year, we really haven't been that far off of all-time highs. It looks like, you know, the farthest was right in the beginning of the year, uh, Mm -hmm. when we were a little more than twenty percent off the all-time high. Um, So, yeah, it's just interesting um, because it's it kind of flips the the performance of the markets on its head, and it's looking at it from the opposite view of okay, well, instead of how the market is done this year in terms of a percentage return, how far off, off the highs yeah. are we at, at any given yeah. point in time. And that's why, you know, I really like uh Y charts specifically yeah. for this. I, I this is probably one of the most popular forms of charts that I that I pull up is yeah. on an individual security level or a market level to see how far uh these securities are from their their all time highs.
2: Yeah. The um, is a lot of times people will call these like drawdown charts correct um so yeah i think i think when you look at that you know look at covid you know down almost uh, we'll call that 34 percent from the high that felt pretty tough that was pretty scary um, yeah that just was... how quickly it fell and mm-hmm. how far how much uh aum was wiped out of the market in such a short time um it's just it's good to kind of look at this and remind you know remind ourselves, this is this is all normal activity.
1: So yeah, and this the last thing I want to add to this, Nick, is you know we use these type of charts when we're talking with clients about risk tolerances and investment objectives, right? Because yeah. if someone says, "Hey, I want you know the return of the S and P five hundred, but I can't handle more than a fifteen percent drawdown," right? We could easily pull out this chart and be like, well, that's that's just not possible. It's, right? it's, unre- it's unreal it, it, yeah. it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic. And you yeah. can do that with different types of strategies and combining, you know, certain strategies and saying, Hey, you know, what is what are your goals? What do we need to average in terms of return over the next 10, 12, 20 years? Um, and let's see, hey, you know, what is the drawdown or the percent off of the all time high been the max percent off of the all time yeah. high? And is that something that you think you can handle with the caveat in mind that the largest drawdown is always in front of you because you could yeah. backtest test a system that has only experienced a 10 percent drawdown for the past 20 years. And you have to fully expect that at some point in the future that specific investment strategy is going to have greater than a 10% drawdown because there's just no holy grail. Um, So, very important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, an excellent caveat,
2: an excellent caveat. Uh, The next few charts are a little bit uh, kind of simpler performance charts, uh, just as, you know, again, a reminder of kind of what's happened this, this year. And so, the next one is a twenty twenty-three sector performance. And this shouldn't come as a surprise to listeners who tune into the market pretty regularly, um, that your top sectors this year um have been tech, communication services, and consumer discretionary. I think that's uh they got out to a, a pretty good lead in the in the first half of the year and you know, they trended a little bit lower, those three sectors, but for the most part, they've they've kind of hung in there, um, and, and, it's and ex- their outperformance. It,
1: so. Yeah, and it's expected, right? During mm-hmm. a you know during a bull market, um, you expect tech, communication, discretionary, industrials to be the top four. Maybe industrials yeah, yeah, and yeah. financials would be switched around, but this is this is what you would expect, and this is what you see in in periods of of strength. Um, which it's always just I know we touched on this a little while ago, but it's always just funny to look back on a full year because yeah. at certain points during the year, it doesn't seem like it was that easy. Right. Like Matt, no, always no. Says, Matt always says, hey, you know, if you went to sleep on you know January 1st and woke up on December 31st, you'd be like, ah, 2023 was a uh, walk in the easy. park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But
2: no, it's constantly stressful. It's, uh, there's, there's, there's always going to be questions. I mean, even think about the end of October. Like you said, man, there was, there was, yeah, yeah, there was stress in the markets. People were worried and, you know, look what happened in November. You know, the stocks almost immediately, you know, November 1st, the whole market just started, started climbing. So yeah, it's not easy. Um, but that's, that's those, that's the market, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. The, uh,
2: uh no, no pain, no gain kind of thing. That's Correct. there. It's there true. is, uh, to get the reward, you have to kind of go through some of the volatility and some of the pain and then look back in hindsight and you know, there, there you have it. So right. Right. the next chart I have, which is something that's definitely circ, uh, circled the, uh, the newsrooms over the past few months for sure it's getting a lot of attention I think for good reason Um, is a chart of the S&P 500 the S&P 7 and then basically so like the top seven companies in the the largest seven Mm -hmm. uh, and the S&P 500 and then the other 493 and it breaks out those performances uh, year to date across those three categories and you can see uh, pretty overwhelmingly that the market has been dominated by the top seven names of the S and P five hundred. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on this? I'll 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 toss it to you. I had a um, couple,
1: but well, I think the first thing is that the the biggest question I think that's out there it's like why do we bother holding any other stock other than the magnificent seven, right? Yeah. So Apple. Amazon, Google, Nvidia, Facebook, Tesla, Netflix, Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah. Um and my answer to that is is always very easy. It's okay. Well, 2023, yeah, it has been a great time to hold the magnificent seven, but in 2022, the peak to trough the peak to trough declines in Google was down forty six percent. Amazon down 56%, Nvidia down 66%, and Facebook down 77%. So, and I'll and I'll touch on this at a at a later podcast date, but from research I'm reading an equal weighted portfolio of these seven stocks had a 48% drawdown in 2022.
0: Easily. And yeah, just easily. to
1: yeah. put that in context for people, that's like what happened in the great financial crisis. So Mm -hmm. again, way worse than COVID, right? It long-term like these stocks have have done great, but you're going to have to sit through some pretty big drawdowns. Like we just talked about in one of your previous charts, Nick, that Mm -hmm. not a lot of people can, can handle that. I don't know if I, if I, I could handle that, you know, typically, it's, when you yeah. hear someone say, "I can deal with a 20% pullback," it really means they can deal with a 10% pullback. Um, so it's not the the things you read in the media may make it seem like you know all you need to do is hold these seven names, but we don't have to look that far back to yeah, a, a long, year, one year where yeah. or where these names got just obliterated. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was that was going to be one of my big points. Is okay, like why is why did this happen? And it's because they were obliterated last year. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, the drawdowns were were fierce, um, and I think they just kind of came back to life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with institutional, big institutional money um, pulling out of the stock and probably going to cash. Uh, in 2022 and sitting on the sidelines and they're going to pull it from the biggest, most liquid names. And those names were getting crushed. And then 2021 starts and clients eventually are going to, okay, we got to put cash to work and put more cash in the system. Where are you going to put it? Going to put it back in some of those liquid names. I think that's, that's a piece of it. And then I think there's, there's this phenomenon, which we've probably talked about at some point in the podcast. Um and, and podcast history, I'm not 100 percent sure. But the the phenomenon of the uh, the the tech safe haven trade, which is kind of counterintuitive and a bit of an oxymoron, but it is it has been a real thing over the past five years where at times of stress, um not always, as we saw in twenty twenty two, which is why this is not like a guaranteed thing, but sometimes um, you'll see a little bit of uh, an equity kind of flight to safety, where where some some capital will rotate into some of these top, big, you know, magnificent seven names, um, just as a place to hide out while they're yeah. you know, you know, figuring out the next move. So I think you could have a little bit of that going on in there throughout parts of the year, where you think back to the summer and you know, what what are we ready to go small cap yet no probably not you know like b- b- people are strategizing there's still a ton of bears on the street I mean mm-hmm. if you pull up podcasts from from this summer I'm sure we had plenty of charts that we're still talking about the sell side and some of the bears I mean I know Morgan Stanley was still calling for the year to be negative back yeah. in, in the summer so you think about those types of narratives that are going on and I can see how it's easier for for names uh, for, for money in the market, for the capital in the system to want to hide out in some of the big names, especially given some of the the, the uh, underperformance of the previous year, right? Yeah. That, you yeah. know, hey, you're buying on the dip, right? Think about buying from uh, the drawdown chart. You know, if you're getting those top five names at a disc- at 30% discount to their all-time high and you know, on the valuation side, it's like, it's not that crazy relative right. to some of the other areas in the market. It makes sense that people would would rotate kind of back into that space, which causes this kind of outperformance. But you nailed you nailed the point that uh, the, the the final point there, which is, hey, this is one year, but this is not you know that this is not an investment strategy that will work for most people.
1: Yeah, just from and, a
2: volatility and, perspective.
1: And the other thing, people are like, well, why don't like. You know, at the beginning of the year, let's see what the largest you know ten names are in the s and p five hundred, and why don't we just invest in those because it makes up the majority of the index and drives most of the returns. And it's like, okay, well, I think Y charts actually went back and tested that, and there have been very few times where you've outperformed if you've only held the top ten largest names. So again, yeah. one of those situations where just because it's working now doesn't mean it's going to yeah. continue to be this way.
2: Yeah, an excellent point um if the last chart i have is something that we've talked about at length um I'm, i know you and i have talked about it on multiple podcasts um and but a lot of the times we talk about this we're using historical data you know over a period of 50 years or 25 years or something like that something like that and one of the reasons i love this chart is because it's recent um, you could look at it it's fresh it's this year And so this is a a breakdown of the effect of missing the best days in the market of 2023 Um, and you can see how how drastic the changes are um, when you start all the way at at the top of the s p 500 level uh, and you tear down if you miss the 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 best five days 10 15 20. Um, you miss the best five days the return goes down to 7.9 that's pretty pretty drastic Mm -hmm. um and so this is we talk about it all the time of you know sticking to your strategy don't panic um this is the danger of pulling all of your money and going to cash uh, or you know a huge percentage of it and going you know 50 percent going to cash you know you you miss a couple of those days and you can really be eating into your to your portfolio's gains over the short term and the long term because you know obviously um the goal of this is to compound over over your lifetime as you're saving for your retirement and are saving for your investment accounts or what you know whatever your plan is Um, so thought it was a good good kind of recent chart to remind listeners on that
1: yeah yeah, and like we always talk about, we're gonna continue to hammer at home because I don't think someone can hear it enough. Is is sticking to your plan? So
2: yeah, it's tough. It's really it's, tough.
1: Yeah, it's harder, harder. I I
2: have to catch myself and you know some some small accounts where I make trades and yeah. You know, in twenty nineteen, I I bought some high flying tech yeah. names and they got oh, yeah. crushed. crushed. And, yeah, I I just had to say, you know, I'm just gonna hold on to that, and I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just not gonna look at that account for a while because I know those are good names. I trust those names. The earnings are good, um, and you know, looked at it a couple months later, still down. Looked at it a couple yeah. months later, still down. It was in the red for over a year, and now it's way way up, right? right. And that's that's the patience. Like I we have market professionals. We have to do that too. It's it's not easy, but, um, it's, uh, being patient is, is the name of the game with this stuff.
1: Correct. Correct. Um, moving on to the financial planning topic of the week, Nick, this was an article by Matt Bazden with PlanCorp, uh, and it was titled 11, 11 different types of retirement plans. So, uh, this week I kind of just wanted to bring it back to the basics Um, and just discuss common types of employer-sponsored retirement plans. So, this article is kind of broken up into two segments, employer-sponsored retirement plans, and then individual retirement accounts if uh, your employer doesn't offer a retirement plan, for example. So, uh, this week we're just going to focus on the employer-sponsored plans. Next week we'll cover the basics of individual retirement accounts, um, like IRAs, for example. Um, So, the first thing that uh, that Matt talks about, the most popular one, obviously, is the traditional 401k. So, a traditional 401k is an employer-sponsored plan that lets employees contribute pre-tax dollars into a retirement account through payroll deductions, and to encourage participation. Some plans have automatic enrollment features that require employees to opt out of participating in the plan, while others require employees to opt in. Uh, The maximum contribution limit for 2024 is $23,000 for employees under age 50. Employees uh, 50 and over can contribute an additional $7,500 in catch up contributions for a total uh, of $30,500. Um, some pros of 401k plans, Nick easy to contribute contributions, reduce taxable income. The annual contribution limits are high. Some employers can match employee contributions and contributions grow tax deferred, meaning um, that when you take that money out in retirement, it's taxed at your uh, ordinary income tax rate. And, you know, typically when people are retired, they're not making as much as their high earning years, So the tax paid on that is going to be less. Um, and
2: yeah, at most matching... Uh, is like three percent, I think is uh, in between yeah, like average. one and three per one, one and three percent. like three percent match if you have if your company does that, and if they automatically enroll you in the system and they're giving you the, you know a match of up up to three percent, that's excellent. That's really yeah. good,
1: yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, some cons or negatives: uh, there may be limited investment options. So usually, there's just you know a handful of mutual fund options uh, that you can invest in, and you can't just go out and invest in individual securities or ETFs, things like that. Yeah. Um, withdrawals are taxable, like we talked about. Uh, employer contributions may not vest immediately. So what I'm seeing, Nick, after talking to a lot of people, is. Um, you know, there's a a yearly mandatory service that you have to give to the company to be vested in the matching contributions from the employer. So whether it's yeah. one year, six months, sometimes I've I've seen as long as five years to be fully vested w- uh, with that. If you were to go and take another job and move your money out of there, so yeah. that's important to make sure you understand that before you start a job.
2: It's important, and it's important that you're aware of that at your current job because. If that that can actually impact your decision to change jobs because if you can wait six months to to be vested, uh, otherwise you'll lose you know X amount of yeah sometimes that you've it's put in. Yeah. It, it's substantial enough to make that decision. So it's very especially if your company
1: about. has like pro- profit sharing uh, yep. components of it. So if you yeah. know your company has a really good year, the company decides to share the profits with all the employees. Um, you know, that happens in your second year of employment, um, Mm -hmm. you move a job a year down the road and it actually says in the fine print of the plan documents that to be able to be fully vested with profit sharing from the company, you have to be there for five years or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So definitely want to make sure we understand that before starting a new, a new job. Um, Next one, Nick is a simple IRA or simple 401k sometimes called. So he says that simple 401k plans are available through small businesses with 100 or fewer employees. As with a traditional 401k, employees can contribute pre-tax dollars up to $16,000 in 2024 to their account through payroll deduction. Unlike a traditional 401k, employers must contribute either a matching contribution of up to 3% of each employee's salary or a non-elective contribution of 2% of their salary. So this non-elective contribution is regardless of if the employee contributes or not, the employer has to contribute 2% of their pay. Um, Which is super nice which is which is great. So he says, however, simple 401ks or IRAs are rare. Most small business owners opt for simple IRAs uh, because major providers uh, offer more support for them. Some pros, contribution limits are high. Employees are immediately vested in all funds. Employer contributions are required and employee contributions reduce their taxable income. Uh, some cons, the employer chooses the investment option. So again, limited investment options, withdrawals are taxed, um, and you have to wait, like 401ks and IRAs, you have to wait until age 59 and a half to make penalty-free withdrawals. Uh, two more here, Nick. Uh, next one we're going to talk about is the Roth 401k. So some employers offer Roth accounts in their 401 plan that allow employees to contribute after tax dollars. In 2024, the limit for all 401 contributions, whether deposited into a Roth or tax deferred, traditional 401 again is $23,000 for employees under the age of 50 and $30,500 for employees 50 and older. Some pros here, Nick, annual contribution limits are high, and this is a big one. Unlike a Roth IRA, there are no income limits for contributing to a Roth 401k. So we're going to get into this next week, Nick, but, you know, with a Roth IRA, if you make a certain amount of money over a certain threshold, the government says you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. You're not eligible, Mm -hmm. but there are no income limits for Uh, Roth 401K. So this is a way to get uh, after-tax money growing uh, tax-free, coming out tax-free in retirement into that type of vehicle. Um, Some cons, uh, the contributions obviously don't reduce your current taxable income since they are after-tax contributions. And again, there may be limited investment options. Uh, last but not least, a 403B is a tax advantage employer-sponsored retirement plan, similar to a 401k, but it's only available in schools and 501c3 tax exempt organizations. For 2024, similar to the 401ks, the maximum contribution limit is 23 grand for employees under 50 and 30 and a half grand for employees over 50. Employees with 15-plus years of service may be also eligible for additional catch-up contributions. Some pros, uh, payroll deductions uh, make contributing easy and convenient, contributions grow tax-deferred, annual contribution limits are high, uh, and some employers may offer matching contributions similar to a 401 k uh, some cons. Again, investment options may be limited. Funds are taxed in the year you withdraw them and accounts are subject to RMD requirements. So uh, 403B's act very, very similar to 401k plans, but it's just for um, you know, schools and you know, tax exempt organizations, but essentially for most people they function the same way. Um so again, it's always a good year. I think, you know, it's smart to at the end or the beginning of each year to kind of review your finances, just do a a finance health check, if you will, and making sure you understand all of these uh, different benefits that your employer offers. Um, And like I said, next week, we're gonna get into uh, some options. For example, if uh, your employer does not offer a a retirement plan. Um, So looking forward to talk about those things uh, next week. And Nick, before we wrap up for this week, just want to let listeners know uh, if they want to create their own podcast please use the promo code Jessup Wealth to get your first month of Blueberry podcast hosting for free. To choose the plan that is right for you, use the hosting estimator on their website. Again, you can receive your first month free with promo code Jessup Wealth, all lowercase and no spaces. Um, Before we wrap up, Nick, uh, again, today is Thursday, December 14th. Markets are overwhelmingly positive again today after the big update we had yesterday. Um, SP 500 continues to climb towards all time highs, uh, following the Dow. Um, so uh, overall, been, been a good week, but um, just wanted to give you the opportunity to leave listeners with anything before we hop off.
2: Uh, no, I don't I don't have anything to add. I hope uh, everyone enjoys enjoys the, uh, the the few weeks of calm before the Christmas rush.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hope everybody, like Nick says, uh, enjoys the next couple of weeks before it gets all hectic with food and family and friends and time off oh, yeah. and that type of thing. So, um, you know, hope everyone has a, a great rest of uh, the week and we will see you back next week for episode 231.
0: There you'll find links to every episode of The Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involves certain risks and uncertainties which are difficult to predict. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved.